0: We have Shamim Sarif, who is the director and the writer of uh, the film that you've just seen. It was first her uh, first novel that won some uh, tremendous awards as a first novel, and she's written two or three other novels after this and uh, has two movies coming out this one and another one coming out next month at the same time. So uh, please let's give a warm welcome to Shamim Sarif. Also, we have Sheetal Sheff, who uh, is the lead actress from the film, of course, and she is uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, she is uh, breaking a lot of ground as a South Asian American actress. She was the lead alongside uh, Albert Brooks in looking for a comedy in the Muslim world. She also starred in a lot of feature films, including Wings of Hope, for which uh, you won the Best Actress Award in the uh, Cineview Film Festival, also American Chai. I don't know if you all saw that one, but it won the Audience Award at the Slamdance Film Festival and the uh, Best Film at the Philadelphia Film Festival. Now, this is Zocalo, so it is the public square, and it's an opportunity for dialogue amongst all of us. So I'm going to start off by asking a few questions, but you guys start thinking about the questions you want to ask and what, uh, what the movie provoked and evoked for you as well because you're going to have a chance to ask questions as well. So uh, first for our director and writer, your family, you grew up in the UK and you live in London and your family is from South Africa. Uh, Tell us, your parents and grandparents, right? Tell us a little bit about how you chose, why you chose this location and this time as the setting for your novel and then film and what you wanted the audience to to understand and get from that.
1: Sure. Um, Well, as you said, my parents and grandparents were all uh, born and brought up in South Africa. So... Um, they left in the early 60s because of apartheid, um, and I was born in London. Um, and I think that was a very – so South Africa was a very, very strong uh, influence on my upbringing. My parents' second language was Afrikaans rather than mm. Gujarati, which was their third language. So um, so that South African influence, the language, uh, some of the food, all of that was quite an influence on me growing up. And, of course, these stories that my grandmother and, and aunts and mom would tell me, Um, about uh, growing up at that time and and apartheid and all these things. So um, when I was looking to build a story about somebody who would uh, dare to kind of challenge the conventions and the ideas they brought up with, I thought that that would be a very very dramatic, uh, particularly dramatic backdrop for it, uh, first the wider political system of apartheid and then um, on a slightly smaller scale the cultural uh, um, constrictions that were common in the Indian community at that time.
0: Certainly a world unseen for a lot of people here, these are stories, and this is an era that we don't really, a history that we don't really hear a lot about, so thank you for that. Pleasure. Um, And what drew you? You're acting actually in both of the films that Shamim is releasing uh, next month in the United States. You're starring in both of them, Sheetal. So tell us a little bit about why, what drew you to this script?
2: Well, I read uh, this book, the novel *The World Unseen*. Actually, while we were working on the other movie together, and um, couldn't put it down. Read it in one sitting, and was so taken by it that. um, And and I'm a reader, and I and I love books, and I read it, and it was one of the best books I'd ever read, and it's just I just thought it was very rich, and um, there was a lot of depth to it, and the the stories were just so well told, and I wanted to know more, and um, so after we finished the. Other movie that we did together, and they were in the middle of of getting this one together. When they asked me to do it, I was thrilled because, you know, Amina is is an amazing part to play in the story itself. That you want to be a part of, you know, in terms of telling this kind of story, is really important to me.
0: Mm -hmm. And in the story, I mean, Amina is really pushing against convention, really uh, in in so many ways on so many levels, defying the norms, um, Mm -hmm. uh, finding her own voice. uh, She's found her own voice and 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 choosing uh, not to be involved in conformity. For you choosing this role, taking this role, did you have to do that within your own family a little bit? Was there any um, stepping out of your family uh, expectations in a sense? I think my family has made peace with all the
2: decisions that I've made. I think that I probably um, sorted that out a long time ago, so at this point they're just, you know, they're they're okay with anything I do. And this, you know, it's funny because I actually sent the book to my parents to read before I did it and my dad loved it and um was really excited that I was doing it and really thought that the characters were so well done and, and was really moved by the writing. So they're actually really excited to see it. They haven't seen it yet. Uh-huh. And um so no I mean I I just feel like a character like Amina who's so kind of comfortable with herself and knows what she wants and, and is living her life at her own terms is something that I can very much, you know, respond to and and, and hope to to be more like.
0: And you haven't seen it yet, but in the other film, we were talking earlier and you were telling me the two lead women in this film are also the two leads in the other film, but the sort of <laughs> archetypes that they play are reversed. Will you share a little bit more about that? Well, in, in, I can't, well, in this movie, Amina
2: um, is much more the assertive, kind of confident one, where Miriam is is more introverted and trying to figure out who she is, and not until she meets Not until she meets Amina is where she kind of has that kind of spark in her life to kind of look at her own actions and the the life that she's living. And in I Can't Think Straight, I play the character of Layla, who is a writer and really shy and knows that there's a lot going on in her that she hasn't really been able to deal with. It's not until she meets uh, the character of Tala, played by Lisa, who plays Miriam. You're following, right? Um that who challenges her way of life and her way of thinking, and they have a more it 's more of a contemporary banter and it 's more of a kind of back and forth you know kind of match, I think, and they really challenge each other and but in, inherently layla 's much more the quiet, reserved one in that one yes interesting
0: well'll talk about defying convention uh, Shamim, you um... You know, a lot of novelists, or we're in Hollywood, there's a lot of people who are writing screenplays, and a lot of novelists become the, adapt the film for screen. But you chose to take the bold leap into becoming the director of the film. Uh, that was your first time on a film set, as, as the director, right? That's yeah. what I understand. So yes, tell us th- about that choice. She cooked for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I did the on-set catering. <laughs> and she
1: uh, I think it was, a, you know, a little bit of craziness. It's probably better not to know quite what you're getting into. Um, but I, um, I mean, I can't say I'd never considered directing. It wasn't like I just woke up one morning and went, oh, what? I'll just give it a go. Um, so I, I had been doing directing courses um, for a while, um, and I had my How to Be a Director book. And <laughs> every time she'd ask me something, i go, sure, <laughs> sure I saw the answer to that on page 26. Um no, it was, it was, you know, I had an opportunity earlier than I had expected with I Can't Think Straight um, when Steven Spielberg dropped out. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so... I said I'd only do it with me directed Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> so, look, I, you know, I had an opportunity. It was, we knew it was a low budget. We knew that we were up against certain constraints and things. But, you know, I, I really felt uh, passionate that I could um, translate it to the screen. Um, and so, yeah, it was a baptism of fire, particularly because the production at that time, we had a very difficult first investor who, who didn't make it the most supportive atmosphere, so we would show up every day not knowing if we had the location or uh, if the catering was going to be there or, you know, the, there was no first AD, there was no continuity, so it was quite a quite a feat to get through that. Um, but on the plus side, I think Hanan, my partner who produced and I, realized that if we could get through that, we could get through pretty much anything, so... Um, we, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, one of those things you do, and, and I think you realize along the way whether or not you're suited towards it, and, uh, and I, I loved it. I really loved the collaborative aspects.
0: In the uh, production schedule, the two films sort of overlap, so you were kind of doing both at once at times, but what do you, what do you feel like you learned from the first that you brought to this then? Um,
1: uh, don't let anybody else control the movie. <laughs> <laughs> as much as possible um, no uh, really on the creative level i think what i learned uh... between the two i learned a lot about writing um, about being leaner with my screenwriting because uh... you know when you're working with great actors um, or with sheathel um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> i had to just <laughs> I was thinking, Wow, that's nice. <laughs> when, you're, when you're working with great actors they really do bring something you know they bring uh, a lot of interpretation to the script that can uh, you know elevate it without the use of as many words as you possibly think. Um, I also learned a lot about working with actors um, because, you know, it's a process. It's a constant learning process and you're always um, learning uh, different methods, what works differently for different actors, um, and also how to communicate more easily with your heads of department, to think ahead um, in terms of uh, production design, shot making, all of those kinds of things. I mean, it was literally from naught to 60.
0: Did she bring something to, as the writer, I mean, did you find once you got the yeah. actors in there that she brought something to to the production that you didn't expect that, that wasn't clear to you from the page, even? That
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm just trying to think what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, definitely she did. I mean, I can't think of a specific thing right now. If you're going to put me on the spot, I'll probably think something about five minutes. But it was a constant process, uh, and that's, for me, is what I loved about directing, is that... Um, I made a conscious effort to know the scripts and the novels intimately and then forget about them because then it freed me up to be open to when Cheadle or Lisa had a good idea or wanted to try something a different way or suggest a different motivation for the character doing something. Um, and it often turned out to be um, you know, a much better piece of work as a result. So it was a, it was a really lovely experience from that perspective. Now we're talking
0: about how the actor can uh, bring something to the page that the writer maybe didn't expect. Sheila for you as an actress, uh, as a South Asian American actress, what are you finding in terms of the writing that's coming to you, the kinds of roles that you're, you're, you're getting that are coming through your door? Um, are there a lot of opportunities for juicy roles, or do you find that uh, the kinds of roles, um, what kind of roles are you finding? I won't put any limitation on it. Um, See, I don't consider myself as a South Asian American actor.
2: All that stuff to me actually is – I think even saying something like that is probably part of the problem. And I think that – I just think of myself as an actor trying to to find good work and good material. And um, so if it happens to be something that's specifically ethnic, great. If not, great too. It's just really about the character and if I think I can bring something to it that's interesting and, and something that's new for me to kind of play as an actor. And so when I read this, I, all of those things were true. And, um, you know, I've certainly played other parts in my career that had to do with certain ethnicities, ethnicities and certain ones that haven't. And um, I think it's more as as a woman actually trying to find Um, characters that are three-dimensional and fleshed out, Mm -hmm. it was so nice to have Shamim write characters like this because I think often you see movies that are so male-driven, and if there are if there is a male and a woman also with each other, the the woman is usually underdeveloped and it's usually much more that the man is the lead and it's hard to kind of have that balance even in mainstream, Mm -hmm. you know, movies, so it was really nice to not only see one but two really fantastic characters in both movies, so fleshed out and with the opportunity that um... You know we all had to kind of bring our own take to it combined with Shamim being open and and sticking to to the to the writing we I think it was a really great kind of collaboration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: you're talking about the characters and we we talked at the outset about your family having been um, uh, g- generations in South Africa and you hearing a lot about that. Were there stories about um, apartheid in South Africa that were passed down that you heard growing up that you can share with us that maybe either informed the film or just were part of the backdrop of
1: your life? Um, there were a couple of things that I tried to feature uh, in the film in a fictionalized form that were, that were uh, actual uh, events that took place and actually the character of Amina was based on a on a real character that existed at that time. All that I knew about her from my, uh, from my mother and my grandmother was that she, uh, she was a contemporary of my grandmothers who never got married. And even when they were discussing it, they wouldn't uh, suggest why that might be, but that just that she didn't like men. And, um, and uh, that she wore trousers and she drove taxis. And that was all I knew about her. And it would, it, that really became um, uh, the seed of that character in the movie because it, it made me then think, well, what is it that can make somebody like that? Uh, thrive at that time in that place where you know she's clearly um, an oddity and a, and a complete, uh, I can't say outcast from the community but certainly different from everybody around uh, and from there I built, built in then the story of her grandmother uh, who was uh, you know raped and, and sent back uh, to India as, as part of the, one of the things that gave her strength and the other, the other factor I had fictionally was her father being a rather more relaxed kind of guy who didn't really care about people um, and therefore probably gave Amina a, a bigger freedom. Um, another one of the stories um, from that time is actually of Amina's grandmother, um, the flashbacks that we see. Um, my grandfather's first wife um, was, uh, I think, had one baby girl and then couldn't have any more children um, and uh, was beaten until her back was broken and then sent back to India um, and then my grand great, sorry, great-grandfathers, subsequently married again and had my grandmother. So, um, but that, of course, is not an apartheid story, but just as brutally within the system uh, of the Indian community at that time, or certain aspects of it. Um, this, these, these stories of injustice, I think, were very um, meaningful to me when I was growing up. I didn't want to go back to South Africa while apartheid was still in place. Um, even in the early 80s, my, my parents would go back and say, you know, it's much better. We have British passports. We can sit wherever we like. Um, you know, we're allowed to go in big hotels now, and they were thrilled about it. Well, not thrilled about it, but it was a a big progression for them. For me, it was, you know, why should we be happy about something like that? We should be able to go. So militantly, I just couldn't bring myself to go back there for quite a while um, until apartheid was legally over. So, but it was a very big influence on me.
0: So by the time you wrote the film, it was 10 years later after apartheid? I mean, you you had gone back a few times. Uh,
1: Yeah, the novel came out, I think, in 2001. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell us how the film has been received around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's played festivals in in different parts of the world, and uh, but then some places in the world it hasn't.
1: Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we we premiered at Toronto um, last year at, at, at TIFF, which was fantastic, um, and got a, you know phenomenal reception. People just loved the movie. They um, they always would you know the q and A's went on forever they would stop and talk to me afterwards and I think you know it's great when people feel that inspired that they want to stop you and, and say a few words and I really appreciated that um and we've had the same response then we went on to the London international Film Festival and then various other film festivals, South Asian festivals gay and lesbian festivals and had a fantastic response everywhere we went so um so it really was uh, you know uh Fantastic experience to, to go through that. We then applied, for example, to the Dubai Film Festival, um, and they just—well, they just said that uh, that the subject matter didn't exist. So <laughs> didn't exist. Yeah, so we didn't get a rejection, but we didn't get to go there either. So, <laughs> so I think you know it may not play in the Middle East anytime soon, but let's see. Uh,
0: we're going to be going to your questions soon, so get your questions ready. Mm-hmm. Sheetal, I know that you know, we talked about um, how, you, how you like to look for, for uh, roles and characters and look for, for parts. I also know in addition to your acting, at least what I've read, is that you do a lot with going to schools and talking to students and the like. So I was curious what your message is to young people when you do those kind of things as well.
2: It depends on um, the age, because <laughs> I do all different age ranges. but. Um, I just, I love kids, and I love different age, I love kids, and I love teenagers, and I've worked with them my whole life, and um, sometimes I do workshops, sometimes I do panels, sometimes I do more conference-type things, but I think that they have so much to offer, and they have so many questions, and they have so much, sometimes the message is just talking about life and life experiences, and sometimes they're very specific to the industry, and sometimes they're, you know, just trying to find a way that they can get interested in math and English, so we, um, we try to... Handle all of those things, <laughs>
0: AmeriCorps and all those? Well, I did AmeriCorps
2: things. for a long time when I was in New York. Yeah, I taught I for see. about four, three and a half, four years. And um, now I work with the Big Brother, Big Sister organization here, and I mentor and I work with lots of different groups. So,
0: yeah, very good. You know, the film, in addition to being beautifully acted, is so beautifully shot and so beautifully lit. And then there's that exquisite soundtrack. So, I have to ask mm-hmm. you about the soundtrack. Uh, tell us about some of those choices. Um, I sang them myself. (laughs) Um,
1: I nearly did. It was Music Clearance, turned out to be a bit of a nightmare, but um, we basically, I picked all of those songs myself, um, more or less, Um, and it was very important to me. I had a soundtrack built sort of um, in my mind from when I was writing the novel, because usually when I'm writing, I I kind of build a soundtrack Mm. uh, of things that might be relevant for different characters or for different moments. Um, and in uh, South Africa at that time, the American jazz of the period and the South African jazz, which was very influenced by it, uh, was, was very big. And it was kind of uh, often a sign of sort of slight rebelliousness and coolness to have that playing. So I thought it would be a good backdrop for Amina's Café. So um, we worked hard to secure those, those songs. And, uh, you know, it was a thrill for me to eventually have a bit of Billie Holiday and Dinah Washington and, you know, some people who are truly phenomenal on that soundtrack was great. Um, and the end credit song there was sung by Leone Casanova who plays uh, Doris the Waitress. Um, and she's a very, very talented singer-songwriter who also did uh, three songs I think for I Can't Think Straight. So.
0: And you have some original, did I get that right? You have some original music that you wrote in, yeah. in the other film, <laughs> in the I Can't Think Straight. Tell, yes. tell us about that.
1: Um, I, we basically needed, um, I Can't Think Straight is a contemporary romantic comedy set in London so we have some very Uh, different contemporary music in there. Um, But there was the the first love scene between the the two uh, women. I had wanted specifically an Arabic language song and I had a couple of uh, songs that I wanted to use, but we couldn't get clearances for them because of the subject matter. Uh, The singers or the the songwriters would not agree. So um, Hanan, the uh, producer, very uh, cleverly suggested that I should give it a go writing some lyrics because I'd always wanted to, but I, I meant that I wanted to when I had some free time, not in the middle of post-production on two movies. But um, so you know, I uh, I can't do that anyway. Of course, then she started the seed rolling. So you know, four o'clock in the morning, I was up writing lyrics. Um, so I wrote the lyrics. A good friend of ours, Zina Haj-Hassan, um translated them into Arabic, and uh, worked closely with the composer on the movie to do the the song, and we did that. And then. There was another one later on in English, um, <laughs> which I also did the lyrics for. So,
0: We talked about the closing credits. The opening credits, are those photos your family?
1: Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize me? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was no, they are, they are old, old, old family photos. And what I loved about them, I think, was that, that, again, something people don't realize about certain parts of the community there in South Africa at that time yeah. was that there was this great crossover between um, East and West, so you get these fantastic 50s dresses and hairstyles, Um, you know, amongst the South Asian community, and I I just like that kind of feel. And there's a few of my dad and my grandparents there as well. We want to give you all an opportunity to ask some questions as well, and...
0: uh...
2: Thank you, folks. We'll now begin our Q&A portion of our interview tonight. We want to remind you that this is being recorded for podcast, so all questions must be asked into the microphone. Just wait for uh, Sokola staff to get to you. Raise your hand. And please state your name before your question. We
3: have a question to your right. Hello, I'm Vachacheck Median and uh, thank you guys for being here. It's finally nice to put a f- face to your voice, which you've probably <laughs> nice heard to so you. many times. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, my question was mainly for the, the director. You know, there's that scene at the end with uh, Madeline and uh, Gregory, I think it is, Gregory. where he decides not to go into her house, but it's kind of after this little inspirational talk he's given and that little discourse they had in the in the cafe cafe. so I was wondering you know why did you make that decision why did you choose maybe in the novel or uh why did you choose to not let him go into the the house and plus I really liked your your hat in the movie
1: thank you (laughs) (laughs) that hat (laughs) she got to keep that hat I do I have it in my (laughs) club um (laughs) Why did he not go? Um, I think it's it's all to do with the scene that just directly precedes that, when the when the policeman catches catches him in the post office, um, in the in the wrong area, in the in the white area. Um, for me, it all comes down to that moment when um, you know Madeleine's facing a choice of what to do, and and she has that moment of fear, and she says to the policeman, "He's my driver," to get out of it. And I think that's the moment when it probably ended between them, not because he would probably blame her for 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 saying it and for, for trying to save him. Um, but I think it's, it's more of a question of dignity and um, how much you can probably bear in a, in a situation like that, um, that that's really encapsulates the, the issues that will always be between them, despite what they might want to do. So um, I felt that it was more just a question of Jacob sort of maintaining his own self-worth and, and dignity in that situation. Um, so I would trace it back to that moment.
0: In your film, where are we in the timeline of
1: apartheid for people who might not know? Uh, um, we're in 1952 in the film, and in 1948, the nationalist government came to power. So it's the onset of apartheid, yeah, so, this is so. Just, it's just encroaching. Yeah, these new laws were coming in every year, new and interesting <laughs> permutations. Ladies, we have a question to your left here.
3: Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. My name is Marcus uh, Moham. I uh, first want to say that this was an excellent film. Thank you. Uh, this question is for uh, you, Shamir. Uh, the translation from novelization into screenplay is uh, always spoken of being very, you know, challenging because you always have to, you know, edit and limit, yeah. you know, from from the book. And I was just wondering, for you to have been able to do that yourself, you know, as opposed to someone else, uh, how difficult was that to, you know, leave out? portions and are there other other parts of the novel that you feel that you really would have liked to have seen in the mm-hmm.
1: film um i just ripped out every second page and went from there um <laughs> uh, <laughs> no it was you know what it is a challenge because you you know there are characters that you'd like to keep and uh, you know uh, you'd love to put in every um scene and every detail and uh, i know she asked me why don't we have that scene <laughs> why don't we have
2: this scene i wanted a lot more <laughs>
1: um <laughs> But I think what, for me, uh, I think David Harris said you have to be promiscuous to be faithful. And I think it's key to kind of know the material and then forget about it in the sense that I, I wanted to figure out what the ultimate theme of the novel was and make sure we got that across in the movie rather than transposing this scene and that character or, or whatever that might be. And I think in the end we stayed very true to the spirit of the novel um, and in, and indeed to many of the sets and, and characters and all of that. But. Um, it, it was important for me not to be wedded to it at all, um, and just to be, uh, take, take a lot of poetic license and freedom. Uh, because, you know, translating to the screen is a very, very different kind of writing, because it's writing that's not really for its own sake. It, it's purely to act as a conduit to what will come up on the screen. So um, I think allowing a lot of freedom is the, is the key to that.
2: And the nice thing is that as an actor, as the perspective of having a writer and a director is she wasn't the kind of writer that wouldn't let go of it, as she's saying. She really was able to just put it where it was and then come as a director and say, what do you want to, you know, if you want to try something, let's try it. And if not, we had her on, on both hats, you know, and it was really nice because, you know, we all wanted all these different scenes that we loved in the novel, and we were able to kind of find the focus and let go of all the other stuff and just kind of all be on the same page, which was great.
1: To your right... Hi, my name is Maureen, and I am a former South African, and really loved the movie. Just wondered how many of the cast were actually South Africans, or were any of them South Africans? <laughs> Quite a few of them were, actually. Um, other than Lisa and Sheetal, we had a couple of uh, actors from India, who's Parvindavas, who played uh, Omar, who was a monsoon wedding, um, and uh, Nandana Sen, Sorry. And my parents. And <laughs> your parents. Bernie White <laughs> from Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and Avantika, also from India. But apart from that, everybody else, I think almost all the rest of the cast was South African. So we did have, um, we, had a, we had a range, basically. But I would say the majority of cast in terms of numbers were South African. Um, the reason we didn't go with South African leads um, we was we had a small pool of actors to cast from. Uh, in the Indian community in South Africa and particularly in and around Cape Town. So, and because it's such a character-driven piece and because I knew we were on a very limited shooting schedule, we had a 30-day schedule, I, I didn't want to, um, I wanted to, to, to give myself as good a chance as possible of making that central relationship work um, by getting actors who I knew would be able to handle the material beautifully. Um, so that was uh, kind of key in, in the casting process.
2: Do we have a question to your left here. Hello and good evening. My name is Jerry Jewett, and I want to thank you very much for the fine thing. I I would have guessed it was your fifth film and not your first, Thank you. But I have a question for you about the characterization of the police. I'm kind of a student of civil liberties, and Uh it was obvious that this wasn't just um, bad manners and social malice, but the police power of the state. Mm -hmm. And I thought it could have been probably a much, much worse episodes could have been involved but you did that with a nice balance. It wasn't overdone. and it, was t- it wasn't the shooting. It wasn't crashing the planter. It was trying to snatch the kids that made me realize how Nazi-like this mm. was. Mm. And I just wondered, as you wrote it, as you
3: directed it, did you have any thought to the balance you were giving to the police powers being used to persecute these people, or did it just flow naturally without thought?
1: Um, it flowed naturally in terms of the story. But, yes, I was, I was aware of it uh, when we were shooting the film because I didn't want to... Um, Again, I didn't want to overdo it, uh, but the thing is, it's difficult uh, not to make it very clear because this was a, a, a state where police had these kind of overriding uh, powers or ability to, to ride roughshod over the law, and, and people you know, who were not white didn't have the power of um, any comeback against the police. So um, yeah, that, that snatching of the kids scene was, was really one of the toughest um, to shoot. And in fact, talking about the casting, we actually ended up casting... Um, our son Ethan in the movie um, as the older child because we couldn't find um, uh, a boy of that sort of age at, at that time um, without flying them in from somewhere and tutors and the whole thing. Um, and I think he did a great job and that was a very harrowing scene for him because I didn't let him practice ahead of time. So I wanted to get the freshness of the shock. <laughs> Poor guy, he'll be in therapy now. <laughs> 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 My mom, he made me get... Um, But the other thing, the interesting thing about the police was uh, we applied to them for for, um, permission to uh, use their old uniforms of the period and uh, their old cars and things. And they said, yes, we'll give you that permission as long as you take the word kefir out of the film. Because, yeah, because it was, uh, you know, they said, we're trying to build bridges to the community. We don't want to get back. I said, well, you know, our view was, well, this is when the movie was set. And at that time, you, you, know, you can probably bear me out, it was unfortunately sort of a, a daily used word. I know, you know even my parents were, were accustomed to hearing it and, and even using it. it. It just became, unfortunately, part of daily language. Um, so I didn't want that kind of censorship on the movie. So we said thank you, but no thank you. And uh, we had great costume design and, and production design. And they recreated everything very authentically without permission.
0: Question to your far right. My name is Rosa Goldstein. I wanted to know, will this uh, film ever be allowed to be shown in South Africa?
1: Yes, on December 12th it's opening. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's got a nationwide release there uh, theatrically, which is great. I think the thing is, South Africa is very open. I mean, they, they now, of course, have one of the most advanced constitutions in the world. Um, and for sure, there's a lo- long way to go economically and in many other ways. Um, but there there isn't that sort of... Um, uh, censorship or, or difficulty anymore so yeah we're really pleased with that.
0: Yeah, we have a question again on to
1: your right. Uh, hi my name is Dorothy uh, this question is for the director uh, question for the director uh, you mentioned that your family was originally from Gujarat mm. and uh, not only in South Africa but in many places in Central Africa and in East Africa um, all the Indian communities seem to be originally refugees quite some time ago from Gujarat. Mm. And I was wondering if you knew what... A, they, they never are from Bengal or from Tamil or anything like that. Yeah. I was wondering if you knew what originally prompted such a huge exodus from that province. I don't know, actually. Maybe I should go there and take a look. Do you know mm-hmm. about Gujarat particularly? I, I, d- I didn't think of it in those terms. Yeah, I think... Um, it-
2: I'm not sure if it had anything particularly to do with the province as much as um, people started coming actually for educational purposes kind of to have a different kind of life and it just started coming from different cities and different areas and unfortunately the caste system at the time was in place and so there was just different classes that were allowed to and they just kind of seemed to happen to be there but there could be a completely different socio-political reason that
1: yeah, I'm for, completely for, for, for my unaware For of. my great-grandparents I think it was a question of um, uh, you know they were traders, and, and we're looking for sort of a new frontier, if you mm-hmm. like, a new country and a, and a new uh, new life. I don't, I'm not aware of anything that was actually driving them out, but it's possible. I should look into that in my spare time between <laughs> writing song lyrics. <laughs> Thank you. We have an, um, we actually have an answer to that question over here.
3: Okay. Oh, cool. Hi, my name is Shashir. Hi. Hi, Shashir. Hello. Um, <laughs> I can hold it. Um, the reason, <laughs> a lot of the Gujaratis were from Kachi, from Kutch, huh. And they were Ismailis. Yeah. And the Aga Khan yeah. was, had encouraged them to go out and make their fortune in, Ingr- in, in, um, right. in all of Africa. Okay. So uh, East, I'm from East Africa. I'm from Kenya. Yeah. And so a lot of what uh, we saw there were Gujaratis and mostly were Ismailis. Yeah. And also about 100 years earlier they had been brought to build the railroads yes. by the British. And so and a lot of them stayed there. And that, I, I think that's how a lot of that flourished. And I don't know if you know that, but a lot of them made movie theaters in, yes, I in do. Kenya. Yeah, my, my
1: family like. was also, is also Smiley, so. Oh, OK. Yeah. So
3: that's, that's one of the Oh, ah,
1: OK, right. fine. Good. That's
2: Shashir everyone, very well-known director, writer himself. OK.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have a question to your right, far right?
2: Hi, my name is Bailey and um, I just had a question I imagine um, when you're writing a romance to release it as a movie is one thing and then writing a romance between two women automatically it has a sort of different label to it I was wondering if you found that um, restrictive or freeing
1: hmm Um, I would say freeing because I really didn't think of it in those terms I want, I guess it was a story that came naturally to me. It was another way of uh, I guess exploring yet another taboo within that society, so we had the apartheid, we have the cultural uh patriarchal restrictions, and then why not throw that into the mix <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was it was it was nice in creative terms because you're really creating a world um, which had to do with the the fact that it was between two women and also the fact of that the era that it was in where um it was a very delicate romance, I think, and, and it, a lot of it is in the anticipation. A lot of it is in the looks, in the touches, in the in, you know, the brush of a sleeve. Um, and these things really mean an awful lot, and I think we kind of forget that today. And I, and I wanted to kind of explore that in building um, the, that relationship in the movie. So in that way, it was it was freeing for me and, and fun, interesting to do.
2: Any more questions?
1: You have a question to your right, uh, Michael. Hi.
3: I just wanted to say that um, on that subject, wh- what I think is so powerful about the relationship was the, the the deep sincerity, which which of course goes beyond sexuality, and yet of course it's included. Mm. And uh, I thought it was tastefully uh, acted and shot and written and. Uh, Big compliment. Uh, also, I, I should also mention that, though I've been driving for thirty years, uh, I could use another lesson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 we, we, <laughs> we had a foc- we had a focus puller on the film who was very enamored by Sheetal, and um, on the day she, we were shooting that uh, that bit of her in the garden with that tank top, digging away, um, she just went over to her and put a five rand coin in her hand and Sheetal (laughs) said what's this for she said my darling you can just come sit in my garden (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't take her up on that did you we'll never know (laughs) I have a question in the middle section just
0: to let you know this will be the last question of the night thank you my name is Christy Rael, and I just wanted to commend you on a beautiful film that captured the human spirit. In each, each character had an essence to them, and the depth they really reached inside of us, reached me viscerally. Um, You don't find that nowadays within uh, the films that we're seeing, and I thank you you for that. It was was beautifully written, and cinematography, and the musical score, and each character, their nuances, the touches, the looks. Um, Miriam, she might put her hand to her face, mm. and as a,
1: a bashful sign, or um, it, it was just beautiful. Thank you, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to thank you all for coming. I want to thank the wonderful artists, Shamim and uh, Sheetal. And um, make sure you look for the theatrical release uh, November
1: 7th. November 7th for, for The World Unseen and November 21st for I Can't Think Straight.